Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. First, we apologize if hearing this message makes you hungry for food. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun talks about essential ingredients of a very famous sandwich. Hey, in a few days, about 29 people, uh, mostly from our church, will be going to Europe to learn about the uh, Reformation and see some great sites and end with a five-hour passion play about Christ in the small village of Oberammergau, where the villagers of Oberammergau play the parts complete with live animals about the story of Christ. So I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. Um, In preparation for the trip, I have gotten, in the last 12 days or so, 14 days, a lot of shots, and you know how I feel about that. Um, I got a flu shot, a pneumonia shot, a tetanus shot, the latest COVID vaccine, plus my normal allergy shots. So my arms are just like full of holes. But then again, you knew I was holy. I got so many shots um, that there is a national pharmacy named after me. It's called CVS, which stands for Chun Vaccine Shots. I single-handedly am supporting uh, that uh, franchise. And that's not even including how much I support uh, Chinese restaurants around the world. I just saw a documentary. I don't know if it's true, but they say there are more Chinese restaurants in America um, than KFC, Burger King, and McDonald's combined. I wonder if that's true. Um, And as you know, um, to make a segue, In my sermons, I often like to talk about history, and so I thought I would start off with some earth-shattering, revolutionary, historic facts that each and every one of you should know. In 1967, McDonald's introduced the Big Mac. It was invented by a man named Jim Delegati, a McDonald's franchise owner in Unitown, Pennsylvania. And the Big Mac turned out to be such a crowd favorite that a year later, it was sold at all McDonald's nationwide. And then in 1975, McDonald's decided to put out a TV commercial to inform the public what constituted a Big Mac. Now, you might be wondering, what has that have to do with today's sermon? Just hang in there, and it'll make more sense soon. But for now... Please stand if you're able as I read the Bible passage for today from 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7, which was next up in our lectionary. And here it goes. This is Paul writing. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all, and this was attested at the right time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Okay. In the TV commercial I showed you, you heard the incredible ingredients of what constitutes one of the most famous sandwiches in the world. 
and you heard what the essential, critical, imperative, important components are of the historic 55-year-old Big Mac burger. So can you say them? Can you say it with me? Let's try. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion on a sesame seed bun. Let's try it again. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onion on a sesame seed bun. Well done. Without one of those, it is not a Big Mac. It's a sandwich that will fall short of satisfying a Big Mac attack. Now, in our Bible passage, the Apostle Paul speaks not of the Big Mac sandwich, but more importantly, he speaks about prayer and the ingredients necessary for healthy prayer. We know the ingredients of a Big Mac because it was ingrained in us, and that's how good that commercial was. Can we say the same about prayer? Do we know its special sauce? Do we know the components of prayer by heart? First of all, let's look at uh, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, meaning for all, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. For receive the components of prayer according to uh, St. Paul. Supplications, which is requests, thanksgiving, and then intercessions. So, supplications. Let's... Break this down, our requests. The problem with most of our prayers is that they are just requests for ourselves. God, do this for me, do that for me, as if he's the holy butler, uh, and you are the Lord, and he is the servant. Listen to your prayers. How often is it a request about ourselves? For many people, that is what their entire or majority of their prayers are like. And if that is your prayer life, where you're only focusing on one aspect of prayer, the Apostle Paul will say, foul. It would be like you eating one ingredient, maybe just the bread of a big back and nothing else, or just the pickles. It would be like you eating the pepperoni only on a pizza. It would be like you ordering a, a nigiri set of sushi and eating only the outer wrapping of seaweed, totally missing out on the ahi or the salmon or the shrimp. It would be like you eating just the spam of a zip pack. Not good, unhealthy. Same for prayer. Have a balanced, nutritious prayer life and see if requests or supplications are too much of your prayers and they're all about you. So what are the other ingredients of prayer? Besides supplications or requests, there has to be thanksgiving. Now, how much should thanksgiving be a part of your Big Mac of prayer? Actually, a lot of it, maybe most of it. Begin with every meal. Do we say grace and thank God for our meals, whether at home or eating by ourselves in the office? I say get in the rhythm of praying before each meal. It's the least we can do. Every meal, two to three meals a day. We thank God for the food on the table and for those gathered around it, for those who prepared the meal. And if you're eating meat, Thank Mr. Cow, Mr. Fish. How often should we pray? 
all the time, in the car, in line while shopping, in the waiting room of a doctor's office, before every meal, before you go to bed. And you know, people often ask me, what is the will of God for their life? Well, twice in the Bible, it actually says, this is the will of God. So if it says, this is the will of God, then we should do it. And one of the times it says that is in 1 Thessalonians, meaning it was a letter from Paul to the church in Thessalonica, in chapter 5, 17 and 18 verses, it says this, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mother Teresa asked, where did her faith come from? What was her fuel? She said the fuel was prayer. To keep a lamp burning, we have to keep putting oil in it. Um, and pray without ceasing in all circumstances. That means even doing incredibly difficult circumstances. Somehow can we still thank God and pray? You know, I've been interested lately on in how um, African Americans could have endured so much suffering over the centuries and have still kept the faith today. How could their theology still believe God was for them in the midst of slavery and racism? How could they still be thankful? Um, and um, especially because they were not back then, uh, during the Civil War and beyond, uh, did not immediately free them from slavery um, as the church was, was so central in their community. So they're somehow gaining strength from that. And in a later sermon, I hope to reveal some of my insight, but I just finished the book on the late um, U.S. Congressman uh, John Lewis, and I know he might be more liberal uh, to some of us, but we have to admire his courage in fighting racism as he challenged uh, Jim Crow segregation in the South uh, through nonviolent uh, protests. Uh, he was one of the original freedom fighters back in the 1960s, who um, the freedom fighters would, uh, freedom riders uh, would get on a bus, uh, both uh, blacks and whites sitting together, which was against the law. And on May 9, 1961, they arrived in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they arrived at a bus station where the restrooms were segregated by law, and the white passengers from the freedom bus would purposely go to use the blacks-only restroom, and the black passengers would purposely go to the whites-only bathroom in protest of segregation. When John Lewis walked into a restroom, he heard people call him the N-word, and suddenly he was hit in the face, knocked to the floor, and repeatedly kicked in his sides. He was left in a pool of blood. Uh, his white freedom writing colleagues uh, were also beaten. When the police arrived, officers asked them um, if they wanted to press charges against the men who had savagely beaten them, and they said no, much to the shock of the officers. Um, Lewis told them that their, their struggle was not against individuals, but against a system of injustice. Uh, what was Lewis's fuel? It was prayer. Uh, prayers to Jesus led him to nonviolence and uh, for justice. And he said, quote, 
through our work, our prayer, and our successful overcoming, we ground the light on this planet. Notice he didn't say it was just his work that helped create justice. No, it was his work and his prayers. He was still thankful for that day that God was with him. It was a bad day in Rock Hill, South Carolina for John Lewis, but the story doesn't end there as we shall see by the end of the sermon. So pray a lot, thank God a lot, even in the midst of tough times. I do believe the more we build a thankful heart, the more resilient we shall be in life. Less whining, less anxiety, more aware of how God keeps blessing us. And when we are more thankful, we move on to the next ingredient of healthy prayer. Here it comes, intercession. And here is where you are praying for another or in interceding for another person. Yes, a prayer request, but a prayer for others. And I believe that when we are thankful and praying those prayers, we can become stronger to pray for others. I have a friend, uh, Bob Munger, who I think Tim Shaw knows, who one day went to the hospital as a patient. For most people, they want people to pray for them. They're in the hospital. But no, Bob chose to spend the time in bed in a hospital praying for others, interceding for them. And that's revolutionary. And that is what the Bible says. Pray always and intercede for others, others who are in pain, who are in sorrow, who don't know Jesus, that they might know them. How often do we pray for others as opposed just for ourselves? How often do we pray for other families and not just for our family members? How often do we pray for others at the office instead of just for me? Intercession, interceding for others with God, even for people you don't know. Have you ever heard about the um, famous haystack prayer meeting? I don't know if you've ever heard of that. In 1806, a Williams College uh, student named Samuel Mills began to pray for foreign missions. Now, that may not seem unusual to you, but until then, the missionary organizations were dedicated solely to domestic missions, only in the United States, only in the Western frontier and among Native American tribes. And amazing, there was no global mission, uh, just local mission. So one day, Samuel Mills didn't think this was right as a Christian, so he got four others to pray with him for the creation of foreign missions with the gospel that would go out to other countries, not just to taking care of the United States, and that it would be done in an organized fashion. They were interceding for people they didn't know, wanting them to know Jesus. Suddenly, a thunderstorm broke out, so they ran to a huge haystack for shelter. But they decided, after that day, to continue to meet there every week to pray for others in other lands that they might know Christ. Hence, they were called the haystack meetings. It is said that God used the prayers of those men to begin foreign mission societies, including the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Missions, which in 1820 sent missionaries to Hawaii to bring Christianity here. 
where fortunately, God had already prepared the hearts of the Hawaiian ali'i that there was a true God and messengers about him, and they were coming. We desperately need intercessors for our church. Are you praying for your church, the staff, the members? I know some of you might be grieving due to the loss of a, of a, um, of a job or a loved one, or you're going through a difficult time in some other area. And we do want to pray for you. And we have a long prayer list every, every week we look at. But if we can have this balanced prayer life of supplication, thanksgiving, intercession, then I believe we'll be stronger and more healthy. So practice praying this way every day. Now, here's one last part of prayer that was not listed in the passage, but it is the special sauce, so to speak, in the Big Mac of prayer. And that is confession. Confession is good for the soul. It is where we realize we are sorry for something we did and we ask for forgiveness from God. Confession is articulating that somehow that day, you, not others, but you were off the mark. Maybe you were unkind or you said a harsh word or you cut someone off on the road or you were not affirming and you were just more critical, uh, maybe too greedy, or even committed a major sin. Confession clean, cleanses us. It says in the Bible, in 1 John uh, 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. So, let's not make God a liar. We all have blown it. Maybe not having enough faith or being rude or selfish or thoughtless at times, but truly confessing our sin means forgiveness from God is always on the way, and the burden of guilt can be removed. And sometimes when we receive God's forgiveness, we can learn to forgive others. You may notice in the St. Ignatian prayer that we've talked about often, there's always a section of forgiving others and, um, and then learning to accept forgiveness for ourselves. Forgiveness is cleansing. Forgiveness brings reconciliation. Now, back to John Lewis. Lewis said of the 40 times he had been arrested and beaten and jailed for his fight against segregation, only once, only once had anyone confessed and apologized for his actions of beating and bloodying him. It was a Klansman, if you could believe it, a Klansman named Elwin Wilson. And years later, when Lewis was a congressman in Washington, D.C., Elwin Lewis made the effort and went to Washington, D.C., and he found Lewis and told him that it was he that beat up Lewis in the bus station, in that restroom at Rock Hill, South Carolina, in May of 1961. And he said, quote, I'm sorry about what I did that day. Will you forgive me? And without a moment of hesitation, Lewis said, I accept your apology. Before Lewis became a U.S. congressman in, in Washington, he became a Baptist minister. 
He knew Christ. He loved Christ. And Lewis said, quote, from the moment Wilson attacked me that day, this former member of the Ku Klux Klan and I entered into a strange bond. Though we were linked through an act of hostility, the connection was made nonetheless. Lewis continued, even in violence, the unity of humanity cannot be broken. And that's why it's more productive to acknowledge the bond from the beginning and move from there. Lewis said, Wilson has said publicly that he is glad to be able to count me as a friend today. And he has, expressed, he has expressly mentioned his gratitude that we did not press charges that day. See, his life and the life of his family could have been changed forever if South Carolina had actually tried and convicted him and put him in jail for beating up Lewis. By not pressing charges that day, the beaten Lewis, in some sense, saved Wilson's life, his family. Lewis prayed before beatings, during beatings, and after beatings. He said, quote, sometimes we have to gain tools to overcome our adversaries. We might need to study, to get help, to pray, or develop a plan. But there's no obstacle we as human beings cannot overcome. Again, to quote Mother Teresa, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. I say... It is prayer that helps us do great things and small things with love. Prayer in and of itself, when said for another person or for ourselves, is a small thing with great love. So if a Big Mac is made up of two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, onion, or pickles, onion on a sesame seed bun, then may we know today that balanced, healthy, critically important prayers are made up of supplication, thanksgiving, intercession, and confession. Now there's one last point. You notice I've, I jumped over something in verse 1, and I'd like to highlight that. In the first verse, it says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. And give thanks for them. Pray for everyone. Yes, everyone. This is kind of part two from last week. If the church of Jesus is to have all people welcomed in it, both rich and poor, saints and wayward sinners, then we should be praying for everyone. It was God's desire, does it not say in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the entire world, that he sent us his son that we might have everlasting life. And we should have the joy of angels when one person comes to Christ. And I pray that our congregation might have that love for those who do not know Jesus. It's not about us. I remember William Barclay tells a story of missionary Toyohiko Kagawa, who went to Shinkawa in Japan. And he went there to share the good news of Christ with those um, whose society felt were the filthiest, the marginalized. So he went to the slums. He lived in, in an area, he lived in an area where his neighbors were prostitutes and thieves and murderers. 
and rats crawled out of open sewers, and the air was filled with stench, and many of the people there had syphilis. And Kagawa lived next door to a girl who had uh, pictures painted on her back to lure and tempt men to her home. And Kagawa wanted to lead these people to Christ. These are the people Jesus died for, for all people, good and bad. And we pray, as the passage says, this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Hence, the point is that we must pray for all. And Paul says that means everyone, the marginalized, but also specifically the kings and all those who are in high positions. Now, remember, that was part of the passage, too. We should pray for the kings and those in high positions. Now, we don't have kings in our land, but we have presidents. But you may be thinking, no way am I going to pray for Biden. I voted for Trump. Or you might be saying, no way will I pray for Trump. Or let me broaden it. You might be saying, no way am I going to be praying for Putin. Never have, never will. But the Bible says pray for all. And specifically, the Bible says to pray for all kings. Why not pray for the leaders you don't like, that they might act more godly, that they might be more kind, that they might turn their lives to Jesus or closer to him? Because maybe it's only through prayer that people change for the good. If you have never prayed for our leaders, no wonder our countries are in trouble. Pray for your church staff, too. Praying for people doesn't mean you have to agree with them. It means you want them to draw closer to Christ and be more Christ-like. You want the Holy Spirit to empower them to do good. So why is it good for us to pray for our leaders? Fascinating, because the apostle Paul says in the second verse, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And why do we pray to Jesus? Because when he was on earth, he knew suffering like no one else. He knew, he knows our pain and our challenges and our struggles. Because he was hated here on earth, he was beaten, he suffered injustice with an unfair court system, his friends said they would be loyal and then betrayed him, he didn't have a lot of money, and when he was crucified on the cross, he said, he said he felt forsaken by God. He was in utter despair and depression. And so, if you're new to this Christian faith, you might be wanting to say, this is a God I want to talk to every day. I want to pray to him because he knows our pain and depression and failures and feelings of no hope and who showed infinite, unconditional love to those who are outcasts, sinful and misunderstood. And so, as the Bible tells us to pray constantly, let's pray to the Lord right now. Please join me.
Gracious God, we thank you for the Bible, which encourages us to improve or enhance our communication with you through prayer. And forgive us when we leave out some of the ingredients of healthy prayer. Forgive us when we make it all about ourselves and how you can serve me. May we learn and grow to pray for others and really forgive others and accept your forgiveness. Lord, there may be some here online or in person here who say, boy, I want to know this Jesus more. I want to follow him, this one who really understands my pain and wants good communication, constant communication, that I can talk to him and he'll talk to me. If there's anyone here, in person or online, who says, I really do want to follow this Jesus, may they just say a simple prayer right now, a silent prayer in their hearts, that they can say along with me, that basically, that says, sorry, thank you, please. Sorry that I haven't talked to you very much, but thank you that you forgive our, our sins. And so please come into my life. And I want to follow you. And if you're a Christian, maybe you're praying a, a prayer of recommitment saying, boy, do I need to ask for forgiveness and really enhance my communication and commitment to Christ. If there's anyone here in the room who has made that prayer, especially the first time, just raise your hand really quickly. And my, as your friend and pastor, I'll just confirm that before the Lord because it's very important that we take these steps now and then to kind of ratchet up our, our faith or our commitment to God. And online, if you made that kind of commitment, a, a first time or a recommitment, just hit that commit your life to Christ button and that you want prayer and, and someone will pray with you in a confidential manner. So thank you, Lord. And as Sheva sings his song, um, may we go deeper in our worship and thanksgiving for you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. And before I give uh, the final uh, blessing, I just encourage you, as we talked about prayer, if any of you desire prayer today, uh, the prayer team would love to meet with you in, in the outside prayer room. Just go through those glass doors, and they would love to pray with you. And again, if you're a visitor, free espresso and us in the other wing. And if you're not a visitor, um, have some espresso with us. It's a great way to visit and fellowship. And uh, there's nothing else to have to say, do I? Okay, good. So here's the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and its countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you all online. Thank you so much. Ahuiho. We'll see you next week. Okay, so we got the ingredients for prayer. Now, all we have to do is memorize them, internalize them like we did the ingredients for the Big Mac. 
If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Pres for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at church. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.